Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to another edition of the Pucks with Hags podcast. I believe this is the 62nd episode of the Pucks with Hags podcast. So, Connor, Mick, don't get disappointed that you're not going to be in the Brad Marchand Memorial 63rd episode of the podcast next time around. If if it works out that way, but uh, thank you very much for Memorial. <laughs> Thanks everybody for joining us. Uh, I'm your host Joe Haggerty. You can find my stuff at joehaggerty.substack.com. Uh, join up for a premium membership. You get all of my Bruins and NHL writing sent straight to your inbox via newsletter. Uh, I also write for the Boston Sports Journal. File columns after every single Bruins game. It's going to be a doozy, obviously, uh, after last night's four to one loss to the Calgary Flames. Let's also quickly thank our sponsors before we get into it. Uh, FanDuel Sportsbook, obviously the Super Bowl is coming up. And I did read something. I thought there was going to be all kinds of Taylor Swift prop bets, but apparently Taylor Swift is like off the board for prop bets. So you will not be able to bet on Taylor Swift, FanDuel Sportsbook fans, but you should still download the app. There is so much to do with the Super Bowl. Player props, who's going to score a touchdown, how many points will be scored. You can obviously do the squares at your friend's house, eat all the nachos, but let's also dip into the FanDuel Sportsbook uh, and get involved with them. New customers, if you join today, you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. So download the app and visit FanDuel.com Boston to sign up and join up with the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS network. Let's also thank Factor Meals real quick too. America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, delicious meals, chef-made, uh, dietitian-approved. They are delicious. I have had them. They are healthy. Head to factormeals.com slash hags50 and use code hags50 to get 50% off your first box. They're also easy. Two minutes in the microwave and they're done. All right. Thank you very much to the sponsors. Now let's get to the guests. First, we have boston.com and the Boston Globe's Connor Ryan here with us. You hear him on podcasts. You see him on Nesson. He is all over the place right now, and he's wearing his proud BU sweatshirt over there. Connor, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Hags. And we also have uh, Mick Collagio with us, longtime friend and colleague. Mick, please tell everybody where they can find your work. Uh, RankRapMC.com. I link to it on X Twitter and Facebook. Uh, write uh, seasonally for the hockey news on their big issues. And um, what else? I don't know. I'm all over the place, too. Just not at the Super Bowl. But, but yeah, none of us are at the Super Bowl. I had actually, um, Finn's going uh, to some hockey practices with uh, right now. And I, I talked to the parents and they're like uh, asking me if I'm going to the Super Bowl. I'm like, no, <laughs> I cover the Bruins. I've never been able to get to the Super Bowl. You can, I've never been able to finagle my way uh, to get an invite to that one. Um, By the way, DJ Bean's bid on the Super Bowl is fantastic. Oh, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it's nice to be well, I don't even know if I would enjoy it, to be honest with you, the radio row and the parties and all. I probably would. But 
Um, found a way. <laughs> yeah, but I don't, you know, I, the the watching football in person has never been big on my list. I like watching it on TV. Uh, the reverse of hockey, which is it's much better yes. live than it is on TV. Even even in the HD age. <laughs> yes, but that's a whole different discussion for a different day. Um, let's get into this really quickly. Uh, Connor, you were there to see uh, that uh, that rough one, that furball that the Bruins coughed up last night, along with me at the Garden. Um, how much do you read into what we saw last night in the first game back from you know eight nine days off the bye week all star break? Obviously, both teams have the same amount of time off, um, but but how much do you read into what we saw out of the Bruins last night? Yeah, I mean, I think you can chalk some of it up to that being rust. Obviously, uh, the Bruins are quick to also say that they, you know, the Flames had eight or nine days off as well. So I can't. I don't think you can put all of that on. I, I don't know how much long-term ramifications you get out of a game like that but i think there are pockets of what the bruins showed in that game that should raise maybe a little bit of concern like again like a few goals jeremy swimming wants back yes the the pk i think is one thing that has to be uh corrected because that's kind of really taken a, a downturn over really since the I think christmas break i think they're only yep. operating at like 78 percent. but yep. uh, i think the one that kind of sticks out to me is uh the physicality and it's not just like saying the bruins need to be dropping the gloves at every turn but when you have a spot where like Martian gets trucked over, you don't really have a good response there. And then even just like in terms of the in-game part of it, like the one thing that really ruined the Bruins season last year was their struggles against a pretty physical four check in Florida. And again, yep. Calgary is not a playoff team right now, but they've got a lot of big bodies, a lot of guys that can land a couple of welts on the four check and the Bruins really struggle with that. It's the same thing we saw a little bit last year where, but just not making those clean first passes, getting the puck out of their own end um, and really struggling with that physicality. Again, I don't know how much you draw from just one game coming out of a break, but there are pockets of how that game uh, played out where you're like, got to fix that up before we get to April. See, I, I, I agree with you, Connor. And I think there were elements of that game last night that you saw. It reminded me of the series against Florida in, in some ways. Um Definitely the, you know, the four check and struggling to break the puck out was, was one, but for me, it's much more about, and you're right. It's not fighting. It's not like, you know, old school, like slap shot stuff on the ice. It's constantly reacting to what the other team is doing because they are the physical aggressor and you are not. And then you're trying to like, you know, either complain to the refs that you're getting pushed around after the whistle or try to push back and end up getting called for a penalty or get matching penalties. You know, it's all a byproduct of not being the aggressor, not being the one that's initiating it physically, not being the one that's going at them and, you know, getting after them every time they're in front of the goalie at a whistle, Uh, you know making sure that you there's a pack of wolves that if like one guy's getting charged at the rest of you are defending him like you know I, something should have happened after marsh got cross-checked in the face last night like you know i'm not saying it had to be a fight but that should have upped the the physical level that should have upped the attitude level that should have upped the temperature and the angle level and the emotions and all that stuff and it wasn't. It was a flat line flat. dead team uh for the entire game and no matter what calgary did the Bruins never really responded with anything. And, you know, there was some chatter afterwards uh, complaining about everything that Calgary was doing after the whistles. Like, nobody wants to hear that. Respond yeah. physically. Decide you're going to be the one that's aggressive and taking it to them. You're the one that's going to push back in the right way 
and get them to react to what you're doing rather than the other way around. And they do it sometimes, obviously. But I think last night was a really good reminder of last year, what happened in the playoffs and what can go wrong for this Bruins team if they don't come with the right attitude, the right physicality, and frankly, maybe get a player more or two at the trade deadline that can play that style of game and will bring more of that attitude uh, to them. So I agree. There are there definitely things like that, for sure, to read into last night's game, while also, I think, um, taking it as a reminder that the last 30 plus games of the season are going to be like that almost every single night. And you better like put on your helmet, your your hard hat and go to work and roll up your sleeves and get ready for that stuff because uh, it's going to happen a lot. Mick, uh, anything that you uh, be beyond that that you read into last night's game? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, like like Razor said on the Nesson closeout, um, the guys who aren't playing for first place are playing to stay in the league. Yep. So there's a desperation that's accompanied by loose hands around the stick. And I don't mean that in, you know, dirty plays, but I mean that in terms of freedom to play and, and realize your skills and not be thinking too much. I think that Calgary's playing a, a nice looking brand of hockey, especially on road games. They were stepping up neutral zone too. They were making the Bruins pay the price for zone entries. Yep. And you could just tell that the Bruins as a team were not up to it. It reminded me of when the 2013 lockout shortened 48 game season to mitigate no preseason. They played an exhibition game at TD Garden against the Providence Bruins and got their butts kicked. Vic, Wallace. this is such a deep cut reference. I love wow. it. And, and, and Adam McQuaid got ragdolled by, 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 by Bobby. Uh, <laughs> oh, God, what's happened to me? But anyway, uh, they two, three nights later, they won their opener against the Rangers yeah. handily with authority. Looked like a completely different team, like Popeye ate his spinach. And I don't. I that's so what I read into last night that book opens Thursday and and what better team for yeah. a team that's even though there's no players left on that team and the Bruins but the Bruins have one and it's a big one um hey they uh they the gang Vancouver hates the Bruins guts they still do and they feel like it was three weeks ago, not 13 years. And, Are you saying that because Thatcher Demko dissed Jeremy Swayman for a goalie hug at NHL All-Star Weekend, Mac? Is a, a this is never let up. This is never, ever let up. But but that that was that was funny. Um, it was. And we'll see what they're doing when they're both stretching their groins at center ice, uh, you know. <laughs> I mean, and what what do we got? You figure we get is Allmark getting the next game? Do we think? I would, yeah, I think so. I imagine I, Montgomery was asked yes uh, yesterday morning if he's basically going to go back to every other, you know, for the time being, and he said yes. So I would fully expect Allmark's going to get that start Thursday against uh, the Canucks. And like mentioning Vancouver, Mick, is I actually think a really good thing too because I think that plays into last night too a little bit. You know, I, I think certainly a lot of it was the layoff, but I think some of it might have been. You look at the two opponents, you say, oh, we've got a cupcake on Tuesday night, Calgary, and they're thinking about Thursday against the best in the West and sort of best on best in a big game and a playoff style atmosphere. And it's the Canucks, obviously, so there's history there, even if the, you know, uh, everybody except for Marchand is gone, but uh, clearly two franchises don't still don't love each other uh, based on Demko Swayman. Um, 
So By the way, I watched I watched uh, some of Carolina Vancouver last night. Yeah, and uh, it was it was a higher level version of what happened with the Bruins. They they the Hurricanes were trying to get to their game and they couldn't against the Canucks who were who were there and in, in their face at every turn, uh, playing that just a, with a little more aggressiveness all around the ice in every situation, but I wouldn't call the Hurricanes a stinker. And they were just uh, in a little too over their head last night, but it was a good game. Whereas uh, the Bruins obviously punted. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel Sportsbook, America's number one sportsbook. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, putting some uh, football squares together with your friends and placing some super bets at FanDuel Sportsbook. And I'm not even just talking about who's going to score the first touchdown, uh, who's going to win the game, who's going to be ahead at halftime, who's going to be uh, a special guest at the halftime show. I'm also talking about player, uh, non-player prop bets. I'm talking about Taylor Swift prop bets. Uh, you know, all the good stuff that we're going to see there that's making everybody happy. Uh, So right now, you can go to FanDuel Sportsbook, and they have so many ways for you to end the season with a W, or two, or three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel Sportsbook also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more, including what is Taylor Swift doing at halftime. All right, all you got to do is join today, and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Now is a great time to get on board with the exclusive wagering partner of CLNS Network, FanDuel Sportsbook. If you haven't done it before, the app is easy to download and you can just go get going with the bets. Uh, with The NBA and the NHL are in full swing too, but like right now we know it's about the Super Bowl for the next two weeks with FanDuel Sportsbook. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash Boston to start getting your bets going with FanDuel Sportsbook and make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gamblinghelplinema.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GamesenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. That's 1-800-GAM-1234. One, two, three, four. One other thing I think to take from last night's game, um, I thought Noah Hannafin looked awesome. Yeah. 25 plus minutes, just flew down the ice uh, on the wing on a defenseman rush on the power play late in the game and, and uh, flips a backhander past Jeremy Swayman. Looked really in control on the Calgary power play, running the point on the top smooth uh making good decisions no hesitation looked natural in in that kind of spot um you know was was playing the body had a bunch of hits had a bunch of shots on net you know there was one point where i think it was the first period um or might have been the second period he like dangled through everybody and got to the front of the net like he right through the Bruins defense from the defenseman spot and he looked like a forward going through everybody and getting to the front 
And, and it was just, you know, he's had some good games in the past against the Bruins, but this might have been one of the best that he's ever played against them. Really noticeable. And kind of, you know, putting together a resume game uh, with uh, Bruins management there to say, like, hey, I'm going to be a free agent in the offseason. Like, you know, the, this this is what you could have next year if you're ready to, like, uh, roll out the Brinks truck for me. So, I, you know, I, I think – Seeing him in living color on the ice, uh, have a great game, knowing how much Don Sweeney likes that player and has wanted him, it, it makes you imagine a little bit, Connor, what it would look like if Hannafin's in a Bruins uniform, and it looked pretty good. Yeah, pretty good for a BC guy. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, he. Uh, no, I agree. I mean, it's something where it's very curious to see what ends up happening with him at the deadline because it does feel like he's a guy that Calgary is going to move, especially if he's set on walking in free agency. So that, again, opens the door of almost like last year with the Bo Horvat thing where it's like, well, the, you know, the Bruins interested in a player like that, goes to the Islanders, immediately signs a contract. So you get to see if he even makes it to market. But if he does, yeah, it makes a whole lot of sense. As you said, the Bruins already have – uh, express interest in him. He's a local guy anyway, which certainly helps. But I think you look at the way the Bruins like to, you know, add these kind of foundational building block players. You look at like trading for Lindholm and extending him. If you tell me in next yep. year, if you're able to get a guy like Hannafin and all of a sudden your top four is Hannafin, McAvoy, Lindholm, Carlo, pretty good top four to build your team around for the foreseeable future. And that's not even counting lori moving up next year and maybe a third pairing uh you got all of a sudden five really talented fuck moving guys big bodies that can really impact your game and kind of form the the bedrock of your kind of next generation of bruins players so there's a lot of appeal as to what a guy like hannafin uh, can bring to this team it's all about whether or not he gets to market because if he does the bruins have the cap space and probably the desire to add a guy like him to this team yeah he's, and he's and i think i would put too, i would put i would yeah, I would put Taylor Hall in that category as well as a guy that they traded for with every intent, I think, to lock up as long as they liked him and they ended up doing that. And I think that's an M.O. of Don Sweeney yeah. is to trade for guys that they want to keep. And, you know, especially if they're going to spend the future assets uh, on it. And, I, you know, the interesting situation, Mick, with this guy is that I think it's not a very good secret. It's not a well-kept secret around the league that I think that there's mutual interest from both sides in him coming to Boston as a free agent after this year is over. And I think that's where Hannafin probably wants to end up as well. So does that really limit what Calgary can do with the deadline as far as trading him? Because, like, you know, who's going to give up prime assets for a player if the expectation is that he's going to go to Boston automatically anyway. And that that's part of the reason the Bruins were able to get a second round or just give up a second rounder for Taylor Hall uh, because, uh, you know, he wanted to come to Boston. I think everybody sort of knew it. Um, it, it. That adds an interesting wrinkle, Mick, to the whole like situation with Hannafin and the Bruins and what's going to happen there. It does, although... I don't know. I, for some reason, my old school expectations is, are, are, are haunting me to think that he's going to wind up in New York instead. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's just that guys that I've thought were just destined for Boston have wound up on that team. And, and I, I you know, so, hey, that's probably the best top four in the NHL if it happened. Yeah. I love what Hannafin does to Mackenzie uh, Weger whose game to me has always seemed like is a little out of control, a little bit over over on the testosterone and not as much about, you know, uh, is he going to take a bad penalty? A little too much Radko there. And and uh, and I feel like Hannafin really uh, brings his game into a nice place uh, 
I think Uyghurs learned a lot from Hannafin. Okay, uh, Connor mentioned this uh, a little bit, so Mick, I'll ask you. Um, concerned about the penalty kill. Two power play goals given up again last night. They have struggled for a bit now. Um, certainly, I think there are some things to be concerned about as far as what they're doing on the penalty kill. But there's also just a simple fact that the Bruins' lack of discipline is putting the penalty kill out there way too much and allowing them to get exposed and overworked. Um, how much, what's your concern level right now on just the way the penalty penalty kill is going and the power play goals that they're giving up to other teams, That which obviously would be a killer if, if it's uh, still operating at that level of efficiency come playoff time. Yeah, Um a coil was 10 and five on the dot last night. So you know that uh, nine and four. So same difference. Uh, Zach also had a nice night there, but, but coil who's does a lot of that heavy lifting. Um, so that's not the issue, but um, it, it would seem that, that the Bruins have had some bad luck. I thought before the break where they got into some games that were extremely ticky tack and it just seemed like they were getting called for every little moment they breathed on anyone. Yeah. And I felt like it was a uh, that was the was Ottawa game. The Ottawa game was pretty. Ottawa agreed. game was comical. Yeah. 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 So so there were some nights. I feel like there was a little handful of those, and I feel like it got the Bruins to a little bit off their off their uh, mission and a little too distracted with what's going to happen next and what can we do here. And I think that that also made them feel like, you know, we get scored on their focal point wasn't what did we do wrong in a penalty kill? It was thanks ref, you know, it was so I think that the mentality needs to readjust and get back on the focal point of what do they do well as a PK team and get back to it. Um, they need to skate hard. They need to hunt pucks. They need to throw the body when it's there. And and not chase the game or chase the opponent because they're getting beat because of better positional play or or more energy on the part of the opponent. Those things have to really be there Thursday for them to to compete with the Vancouver Canucks because they're a machine right now. Yeah, and I mean the the hope I guess is that with Forbort coming back, if he can stay healthy, maybe that helps a little bit. Um, if he can sort of really get back into the mix and, and stay healthy for a bit and him and Carlo can, you know, sort of take over or around the front of the net and, you know, and if they can work on the discipline piece a little bit and not just, you know, send the penalty kill out there as much as they're doing right now, where eventually a power play is going to pick you apart and find your weakness. If you give them so many chances in a game, um, any any glaring issues that you see, Connor, on, on that penalty kill right now as it's struggling? Yeah, I think kind of beyond what, what Mick pointed out, I, I will say one thing that kind of has stood out to me is uh, Forbert. And, you know, I think he's been pretty rusty out of the – since coming back from this LTIR injury. It's been yep. a rough season for him where I think really early on he was really strong. We all know what he can do in the PK, but even I think at five on five, again – not a flashy player, but was doing the little things to really kind of limit how much time the Bruins were spent in their own end. And then he goes on LTR with his injury that's been bugging him since camp, comes back pretty rusty. Now he's dealing with something else as well. Uh, yeah. I do think that's something that's worth monitoring, especially as we get to the deadline in terms of uh, in terms of what the Bruins' greatest needs are, right? Like you could make the argument they could use another really physical maybe fourth line stalwart guy. They could use maybe another guy in the bottom six. Um, but if it's maybe another third pairing, 
penalty kill kind of guy that can kind of take up the front of the net, box guys out, um, and do that job. That might be a, a worthwhile investment for the Bruins as well, just because not only I think is Wolbert, you know, his plays did a little bit, but just the amount of injuries he's had, it's really kind of piled up here. And you need a guy like him to be anchoring your PK in crunch time. And uh, it's just kind of been tough sledding for him as of late due in large part to those injuries. Yeah. And I, I think that's honestly, regardless of the health of Forbort, uh, that is priority. Number one is getting a defenseman like that. Another guy that can play the front of the net uh, is a rough customer in the defensive zone is going to make you pay a price brings a little bit more attitude uh, and size and strength and can help on the PK. Like I, even if Forbert is able to play through what he's got right now and gets back to his a reasonable level of effectiveness for him, I still think they absolutely need that. So they definitely need to add to their depth and, and bring another guy like that on. And, you know, it also is brought to light when you watch, you know, Matt Grizzlick and Kevin Shattenkirk out there and watch Connor Zari just blow by the both of them and score that yeah. second goal in the first period. Like they, you cannot have that as a third pairing in the playoffs. Uh, those two playing together, given what they do in the defensive zone and how they can struggle defensively. And, uh, you know, they both have their strengths and they get, they're able to move the puck and they can make some things happen offensively. But, you know, it just underscores when you see plays like that. And Grizz was a minus two again last night. Um, how I think there, there are some, players that can be picked on a little bit, especially come playoff time uh, defensively uh, on this team. Um, Elias Lindholm. And it was funny, the guy that uh, got traded to the Flames for Elias Lindholm ends up scoring that first goal, the power play goal last night uh, for the Flames. Elias Lindholm traded to the Canucks. Um, They got an NHL roster player. They got a couple of prospects. They got a first round pick. They got a conditional fourth. Um, That's a haul. For a guy like yeah. Elias Lindholm, especially um, given that he's not going to sign a contract extension uh, with any teams that he's uh, getting traded to right now for a rental. Elliot Friedman on his podcast basically saying he thinks the Bruins were interested but lost interest when they weren't going to be able to lock him up and keep him as part of the the nucleus uh, going forward, which I think makes sense. You're not going to give up a 2025th or 25 first round pick, maybe a Patra, somebody like that, or a Lysel or whatever prospect wise, and potentially a roster player um, for something like a player like that. If you're not guaranteed that he's going to stick around for a while, the Bruins just aren't in a place, I think, where they can trade all those future assets um, for a player where it's unknown if he's going to be uh, beyond this year. And you're kind of going an all in trade. They've done all in the last few years. I don't think this is a year where they can afford to sort of make all-in moves like they did last year with the, the Orlov uh, and Hathaway trade. Uh, Mick, would you have liked to have seen them uh, try to bring in a guy like Lindholm, looking at the price and and considering uh, what the Bruins would have had to give up with uh, with no guarantees that he was stuck around after this year? Yeah, that's a tough one because it's not you you can't. The Bruins are out of assets to to mortgage their future without being able to lock down a player and say, okay, we got the asset moving forward. They just can't do it anymore. They, they don't have it anymore to do. I wouldn't put um, Lysel into the Potra category, but that's another story. The I, I resign myself to the fact that these players are going to teams that have the first rounders to give. Um, the Bruins will be bad, way at the back of the of the opening round as well. Yeah, first rounder is not a first rounder is not a first rounder. 
And right. the Bruins have been picking way in the back for a while now. And the, the ingenuity that they've shown in later rounds and creative deals like sign Ericola and a year later, trade him for Pavel Zaka, who was sixth overall in 15. That's a, that's a gen, genius move. And, and it really set them up nicely as far as uh, that player versus the cap and what he may mean to them and going forward. That, and, and they've survived on that and thrived on that. And it's not a formula that fits eternally. They just can't keep going in that direction. Anybody they get of significance at this deadline absolutely must have term. And if anything, the guys that they're either going to consider DeBrusque and Grizz their rentals or they're going to value an asset enough to move them out because the, whoever they get will have term and that'll be more value to them because of who the player is and how it will impact the team. So that's that's got to be it right now as far as that goes. And the last discussion about defense, you guys never mentioned uh, Parker Watherspoon. I mean, did he blow out his ACL and I missed it? Or, I mean, I just think his hockey's better than than what we've seen from the bottom half of the Bruins defense yeah. um, over the his body of work. And given the fact that he was buried in the Islanders who were loaded when he came up with those guys and yep. had all those years under Brent Thompson in Bridgeport, and now he's finally in the NHL, he's got such a compete level, I want to see more of him. Yeah, and and I think we will. Um, and I think it's a fair point, but I also think, like, in my mind, he's not going to be a factor as far as being that dirty, mean, nasty defenseman in the playoffs. He's just – that's a lot to ask out of a young guy without a ton of NHL experience. You know, he strikes me as more of a very capable body that can go in there, give you, you know, 18 to 20 minutes, isn't going to hurt you, will make some good plays, will provide some physicality, but he's not a player that the other team's going to worry about, you know? He's not another player that the other team's offensive players are not wanting to deal with and concerned about. And that's more what I'm I'm thinking as far as a defenseman that they need to try to find uh, or go out and get. But I, I do think, to your point, Weatherspoon has been excellent. I think he's proven that he's an NHL player. And I think at the very least, he should be a seventh defenseman on a, a Bruins roster that plays, you know, pretty regularly in a, in a rotation where you're uh, moving guys in and moving guys out. Um, Connor, and the other thing, uh, going back to Hannafin for a second, in uh, a, the point that you made about the Zaka deal, uh, uh, Hannafin would also uh, be another uh, name on the Don Sweeney, Don Sweeney getting revenge for the 2015 NHL draft first round as he uh, accumulates pieces from the first round of the 2015 draft. He's getting the infinity gauntlet. He's just slowly <laughs> but surely getting these guys back. That's right. AJ Greer, Greer was an attempt at that. I could, I could yeah. see that. I could see him putting in the Noah Hannafin piece in the gauntlet. Yes, yes exactly. Like <laughs> That's a great visual, Connor. We do have Factor Meals uh, to help us out. America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit when it does get busy, when it does get crazy, when we do need a, a quick meal. Uh, they fuel you up fast with flavorful and nutritious ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. Takes less than two minutes to cook them. They're fresh, never frozen. Meals ready in two minutes, like I said. Uh, they have calorie-conscious options going upscale with some of the things they're offering now, like surf and turf, surf and surf meal options, roasted garlic filet mignon, and shrimp and Cajun spiced shrimp and salmon, which is like right in my wheelhouse. This is the kind of stuff I'm all about. So it's got everything for everybody. Uh, there's 34 
plus chef prepared dietitian approved weekly options for meals uh you can get snacks you can get breakfast items like it's 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 a great deal um so if you want to get factor meals uh go to factormeals.com hags50 and use the code hags50 to get 50 percent off of your fir- first box it's a great deal uh you know I- i've tried it it's fantastic i recommend it to you we love these ready to to make meal kits especially when we're, we're on the go with our kids so one more time that's factormeals.com hags50 to get 50 percent off your first box you won't be sorry if you go to factor meals it gets the hags thumbs up seal of approval This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Your thoughts on the Lindholm deal? Uh, should the Bruins have paid that kind of a price for him? Um, and do you think there's any chance that this might be going to get revisited in free agency after the year is over, um, given who he is as a player and, and that they're going to have a lot of cap space? Yeah, I, I agree with what, what Mick said, that you look at just the the cost to acquire a guy like Lindholm without the guarantee of, of uh, a long-term extension, you know, signed at, at this point of the season. I just can't see it being worth the Bruins when you just look at the amount of draft capital that they've spent the last couple of years. This is a team that's just not equipped to to operate with that risk. If the Bruins had, you know, first-round picks the next couple of years, they weren't uh, so barren in their prospect system. Yeah, you could take the the chance of Lindholm. You bring him in, see how the facilities are, see how the players are, have him buy in, and you hope that that just naturally leads to a contract extension. Bruins can't operate with that risk. Not when I don't think they're on the clock until the fourth round this year. Uh, they have a first round pick next year that's probably really coveted. When you look at just how few times they have used that first round pick in the past. Um, it's just a team that I don't see as, you know, necessarily needing to operate that risk right now. Not when, I mean, again, it's famous last words, but the, you know, coils I think have been very steady in terms of what their roles are now. We can yep. revisit this again in the off season when the Bruins are flush with cap space and they could potentially go after a Lintome or a Hannafin, you know, they have the means to really kind of add an impact player. But for right now, I'm not seeing the Bruins, you know, not only give up another first round pick, but. You know, whether it's a guy like Patra, a guy like Lori, that prospect that uh, Vancouver gave away, I think was over a point per game defenseman, I think in the OHL, a pretty talented prospect there. Um, Mm -hmm. Not only that, but a roster player, you know, is it a guy like DeBrusque? Is it a guy like Frederick? You know, you're you're still, you're removing, you're kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul, right? In terms of you're taking a pretty useful piece off of this team in order to bring in a guy like Lindholm when it's, an upgrade, yes, but is it an upgrading area that you desperately need this year when you consider what the price is? I just can't see it being worth the Bruins in terms of what Vancouver had to give up ultimately to get Lindholm. No, yeah, I don't think the Bruins were going to be able to give up that that kind of uh, treasure trove of assets this year. I just don't think that was in the cards ever this year, uh, given last year and all the assets they gave up when they really tried to go all in and win it. Uh, and that's, I don't think that's a bad thing. I, I think they have what they need on this team for the most part. I just think they need to add a couple of, you know, more complimentary pieces, honestly, yeah. that 
aren't going to cost you as much as far as assets go. It's going to cost you like a nominal draft pick or a B prospect most likely, or a prospect that you don't necessarily see as part of your long-term future in order to get these kind of players. And I think you can do those things, you know, and that's what Don Sweeney and the Bruins should, you know, ultimately be looking at. And I, I honestly have doubts given the way Coyle and Zaka have played, given the way Geeky has played at center, um, given the way Trent Frederick is getting looks at center now um, at times and seems to be pushing his way into that picture, given that Patra is going to be a year older and he's going to be in that picture as well. I honestly think the need for like that frontline top line, number one center is not as great now for this team as it once was. I think given the way things have developed and given where they sit moving forward, I, I would say that a guy like Hannafin is a much bigger need uh, for the Boston Bruins and would be a much bigger impact to this team uh, than a guy like Lindholm would be. And, and, and if, I'm I'm sort of handicapping the offseason and what's going to happen after this year is over, either at the trade deadline or, or next year. I think Hannafin would be a guy that's going to be a major uh, major target for them. Um, Twitter question of the week from 19comid. No idea what that means. Uh, they, they meaning the Bruins, are not tough enough. If this team wants to make it past the first round, they have to get, they have to play tighter and stronger and a little attitude might help. Um, Mick, is this team as currently constituted tough enough to win in the playoffs? I've seen too many times where they're getting pushed around and they're not responding. Last night was too much of an, and maybe last night, and, and I have a quote here from uh, McAvoy that I'll actually throw out there that uh, after he got, he was very, very uh, one word answery, not wanting to be there for most of last night. And then he actually like, you know, kind of opened up and, and actually said what he was really thinking towards the end. And I thought it was good. Uh, he said, we're back to playing games and we're the first place team in our conference. So we're going to get everyone's best, even more so than we did before. This is good for us to know what to expect going forward. It's the first game out of the break. I'm not going to dwell on it too much, to be honest. There's a lot of stuff we can work on, but we are nowhere near a finished product. There's always room for improvement. And we will get better from this. And I think that's an important sort of um, viewpoint to have uh, overall with this um, when, lens when you're looking at that game last night and, and what we're looking at moving forward. But I think it was also a window into this team not being tough enough when a big physical team decides to start pushing you around um, and you start complaining about like they're doing stuff after the whistles instead of like fighting fire with fire or you know, going back at them 10 times harder than they're going at you to make them stop. Um, Mick, do you think they're tough enough for the playoffs right now? No, um, I don't think they have enough of the McAvoy, Marchand edge. Yeah. I think they need more players like that. And I won't limit it to the fringes and the bottom six or the bottom pairing a statement player, some of you roll out and send a message around what you do as a hockey team. I think it needs to be part of what you do as a hockey team. They don't hunt pucks violently enough, this team. Yeah. And I think a top six acquisition, in my mind, if it's doable, I would want the guy who's going to go out there and make defensemen look over their shoulder on their retrievals. Yeah. And make it so that Steve Montour 
doesn't have game one energy at the end of game seven. Uh, when they won the cup back in 11. Brandon Montour. Brandon Montour, thank you. Yes. I don't know why I went with Steve there. Um, but uh, I've been doing that since he came in the league. I've been wanting to make it, Steve. <laughs> I don't know why I do that. But uh, uh, yeah, they gotta they gotta hit more. They gotta initiate more. You can tell it's not in their DNA. It reminds me of the '95 series against the Devils, the last one in Boston Garden, where the puck went down. Game one, the puck drops. It goes down one end. The Devils went hard, and the Bruins jumped out of the way. Puck went to the other end. The Devils went hard. The Bruins jumped out of the way. Both yeah. ends of the rink in the first minute of the game. And right then I knew, oh, my heart right. sank. And it's amazing how close they came to making that a tough series. Overtime game four after winning game three in New Jersey. But, and uh, and uh, RIP Blaine Locker, by the way. Uh, yeah. So uh, t- this team needs to, to have more cumulative effect of physicality on the four check. I thought there were times this season where I thought they were starting to get toward that, that it was achievable, but I still wanted to see another player in there who had wheels, who had shoulders and was willing to use them and, um, and scare the opponent a little bit, wear them down a little bit. And I just feel like as long as you don't have any of that element in your game, you are not winning in the playoffs. You may win a series. You're not going deep. Yeah, and I think last night was was a reminder, even though we've seen bits and pieces of them potentially having that and playing that way, I think last night was a good reminder that they don't have enough of it. Um, Connor, is this team uh, tough enough as currently constituted for the playoffs? Yeah, I, I don't think so. And again, I think you just look at what this team needs. I think it has to be tone setters, right? I think that's the biggest yep. thing. It's something... How much do we look at the last couple of years, especially? I feel like it's every game in the playoffs where Charlie McAvoy absolutely walps a player, and they usually end up winning that game. It's like when he popped, uh, uh, who was it? Er- uh, Eric Stahl, was it? Jordan Stahl with Carolina. Stahl. I feel like, yep. yeah. Jeez. I feel like there's every one of those games where that happens. Um, you need more of that. You can't have it be just Charlie McAvoy doing that in one playoff game. You can't, you know, rely on... You know, a guy like Frederick who needs a good playoff run. You can't have him be like the lone guy to to drop the gloves um, when needed or initiate after the whistle or what have you. You can't have him be just Martian, the only guy dragging the guys into the fight every night. So yeah. whether that's a, a, you know, a guy you add as more of a complimentary piece, like, uh, you know, Brendan Duhame hits everything that moves with, with uh, the Minnesota Wild. He could be yep. a guy that's a pretty fast skater, um, added on the floor check, add some physicality. People toss out Pat Maroon, not as fleet-footed, but big guy, has won before. Is a pain Definitely in the has ass the attitude play. part. Yeah, is a pain in the ass to play against. It has actually been pretty productive with Minnesota. I think he's got like 16 points this year, so could also be a guy that, if you look at that fourth line where you got a lot of maybe impressionable younger players like a, a Lauko, having got like Maroon set the tone, bring other guys into the fight. Yep. That could be the case as well, but I think Mick said it. It has to be a collective thing. It can't just be your fourth-line grinders. I even look at, like, the Florida team. Yes, you you know the Kachucks. You know the guys on the fourth line that they have that can uh, do some damage. But Sam Bennett going back into that series, oh. not a guy you would think vision as, like, a uh, a guy that's going to be dealing a lot of damage, was a menace in that series. Yeah, kind of changed ball. that series around. Even further on, he ate, like, obliterated Jacob Slavin later on in that uh, playoff run as well. Like that's the guy that maybe 
first thing that comes to mind with him isn't that you know physical menace as four checking guy out there. Sure played like it in the playoffs. You just everything need that, could you need that buying. That series was on Bennett's shoulders. Yeah, yeah. Bennett was a monster that series. So again, that's a, what I think it, it lays credence to. You need the maybe a little more half further down the lineup, but you need the buy-in from all these other guys and maybe guys that it's not necessarily part of their DNA or what you first expect, but when you get to the playoffs, you need everyone playing like that if you want to go far. Yeah, I agree. And uh, just in general, if you want to win playoff series, you need those guys. And definitely if you want to go on a two-month odyssey and uh, be hoisting the cup at the end, you need a group of those guys, a group of experienced, hungry guys that will set the tone that are willing to run through the brick wall uh, that are going to, you know, make inspire everybody else to be a little braver and, and play with a little more of that attitude as well. If they're sort of on the fence about it, do Ham's a very interesting name. And I think that's the kind of guy you could look at. Uh, and it's that type of, like I, I've been saying for a while, a Garnet Hathaway type player, and it's yeah. going to be like somebody like that, somebody that will throw the body on the four check, somebody that will, that has a little bit of attitude, somebody that will go after, uh, the other team's best player, somebody that will drag you into the fight. Um, the same thing on the back end, like a Middleton type or maybe a bigger body like a Joel. I Evans. love the Middleton idea. You know, yeah. the, those, those, one of those guys on the back end and one of those guys up front, I think if you added the deadline, I think it'd be transformative for this team. I think it really would help them turn into the best version of themselves when it comes to Stanley Cup playoff hockey and it comes to winning those battles. Um, so like there you go. As long as coils between Martian and pasta, I want it on the second line, not the third and fourth. There you go. Uh, I like that Mick. Uh, thank you very much guys, uh, for joining us. I'm going to thank our sponsors real quick. Uh, factor meals, America's number one, ready to eat meal kit. It'll help you fuel up fast with ready to eat meals delivered straight to your door. You throw them in the microwave, leave the plastic on two minutes. They're steamed to perfection. Uh, delicious, uh, calorie conscious meals, chef, uh, chef made very good. Head to factormeals.com slash hags 50 and use code hags 50 to get 50% off your first box. And of course it's super bowl time chiefs and 49ers, um, Kelsey Mahomes, all of that good stuff. I mean, this is actually going to be a pretty entertaining super bowl. I think, uh, to watch George Kittle on the 49ers side. Um, so why not get involved? and help celebrate Super Bowl Sunday with uh, FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, you're going to get involved with the uh, the getting squares at your friends' houses. You're going to be you know enjoying the, the chili and the nachos and everything else. Uh, Finn and I are going to our, our buddy uh, Bill Fiore's house. I'm looking forward to that, uh, seeing all the old high school buddies. So uh, I also think you should get involved in FanDuel Sportsbook with the Super Bowl. Why not do that as well? Um, the app is easy to use. Not only can you bet on who will win the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score touchdowns, how many points will be scored, all kinds of player props, so much more, as you always know happens with the Super Bowl. Um, so there's so much more to do just than watch the commercials. Uh, join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit fanduel.com slash Boston to sign up. All right, Mick Collagio and Connor Ryan, thank you very much for joining me today, boys. Yep, thanks for having me. All right, take care, guys. Thank you for listening. We'll see you at the ring.